Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, I cry out, send your Holy Spirit in full measure tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How to have the mind of Christ. It's a beautiful topic, and I would encourage you not only to hear me and to go later on over the PowerPoints, but study especially about the Bible and the spirit of prophecy in regard to the mind of Christ. And there are so many statements that produce all kinds of nuances that, uh, that you simply sometimes have to pray a lot about, Lord, what does it mean? Because sometimes about the overwhelming statements, you can see that things blend and it becomes not any more clear. But if you take them state by state statement, it is a beautiful picture. Of course, it is the fruit of a total surrender. You know, that's one of the most difficult things that we have to do. Surrender. Because we like to be in control. You know, frequently we have dreams what the Lord seems to have impressed us with. We pray about it. As the Lord says, these are my dreams. Please bless them. And you want to keep on those dreams without surrendering them. And sometimes we like to surrender some of the bad things. But there are other dimensions in our lives that we like to keep. Keep on. And so here then, but the infinite sacrifice of God in giving Jesus, his beloved son, to become a sacrifice for sin, enables him to say, yield yourself up to me. Give me that will. Take it from the control of Satan. And I will take possession of it. Then I can work in you to will and to do of my good pleasure. And that is what the Lord is longing for. That you become the instrument of pleasure in his hand. That he can show to the universe, see here are my children. And I can do whatever I want because it is a pleasure for them as well as for me. And so then, when he gives you the mind of Christ, you will become as his will. Your will become as his will. And your character is transformed to be like Christ's character. It is your purpose to do God's will. Is that your purpose? Message to your own people. 154. Is that your purpose? Now, there are some obstacles in having the mind of Christ. Those who desire to be transformed in the mind and character are not to look to man, but to the divine example. God gives the invitation, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Not just Paul, but God gave them 
And so, but we like to have visible examples. It will be tragic that you look to me because what can I do to your character? Nothing. By conversion and transformation, men are to receive the mind of Christ. For us to imitate the example of any man, even one who we might regard as nearly perfect in character, would be to put our trust in a defective human being, one who is unable to impart a jot or tickle tittle to perfection. Signs of the Times, September 3, 1902. Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 428 and 429. See, here it is beautiful. So anybody, and you know, frequently they, they ask you in, in, in universities and in higher institutions of learning, Very, very sad. That's not what we should do. The example is given of Christ. Now, what is the standard for our lifestyle? 2 Peter 2, verse 1, verse verse 3. As his divine power, again here it comes, the power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue. So what more do you need? Has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Anything beyond this is not necessary because this gives us the joy and it comes through divine power. You know, this is one of the things that I read more and more wherever I speak, that our people are powerless because they fail to put their full trust in God's power. That goes beyond what I can even do. Godliness is Christ's mind, Christ's character. By the sacrifice of Christ, provision has been made for the believers to receive all things that pertain to life and godliness. God calls upon us to reach the standard of perfection and places before us simply the example of Christ's character. So don't look at anybody else because this assignment keeps us busy the rest of our life. And if you read the Gospels, you read through the Zer of Ages and whatever, and think every time. Ellen White says, you know, you take one section and you pray about it. And there's so much in the Gospels that says, you know, Lord, what does it mean to us today? Acts of the Apostles 5.31. It is called the standard of perfection. This is Jesus Christ. Christ called to perfection, Matthew 5, 48. 
You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Know the two dimensions of perfection. The divine and the human. There is the absolute divine perfection. And there is the relative perfection which human beings are capable of. This is what we have to keep in mind. Recently I read one of the books that was published by publishing houses about how certain Adventists are talking about absolute perfection in their life. I still want to meet those individuals among us who claim absolute perfection. What people do is put up on a straw man and then knock them down. And those who believe what happens to the last generation of Adventists with full truth are mocked about and said, you know, crazy people. And yet we can rejoice in those things. So we have enough of straw man. We want to have the hard reality. Example, a baby grows up. And yet, you know, I have now several grandchildren. And uh, every time when they go to a pediatric nurse and so on, she says, yeah, you know, your child is perfect. For what? For the age of one. Perfect for the age of five. But if they would continue to be this standard of perfection and they don't grow further, then I'd be in deep trouble. We have to do a lot of praying for that family. How can human perfection be obtained? Peter's call is to partake of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 to 10. Christ is the example of how it can be achieved. Now look at this here. Through a life of constant resistance of evil, through cooperation with divinity. Hebrews 5, verse 7 through 9. Yeah, people say, yeah, see here, Christ had also to learn perfection and whatever. You know, so in other words, yes, he was not perfect, but finally he made it. No, friends. Christ constantly, when he was faced with the challenges and the sinners and whatever, he fought and he fought. And in the fight, he learned battle after battle after battle how to gain the victory. And so it is for me. You know, every time when we fight and we are tempted and our sinful nature and carnal nature wells up, don't say, yes, it's not my nature. You know, it's something that I learned in Babylon. No. Fight. And through the fighting, God gives you strength. And every victory makes you stronger and stronger and stronger. And that is what Christ learned from small child on. He resisted and resisted and resisted. And that is how he obtained perfection. Not by failing and failing and failing. Because every battle that he fought, he gained the victory. And this is something that he offers to us. We can do this. No matter how weak you feel. See what the resources are that he presents to you. How can human perfection be obtained? In his humanity, perfected by a life of what? Constant resistance of evil, the Savior showed that through cooperation with divinity, 
human beings may in this life attain to perfection of character. Nothing else but character. This is God's assurance to us that we too may obtain complete victory. Acts of the Apostles 5.31 In no instance Christ used his divine power because he disposed of it. And he had depend on the Father just like we have depend on Jesus and the Father. He simply refuses that to use this. Successful weapon against sin. What is that weapon? Friends, you may as well know it. Christ's assurance in Matthew 28, verse 18. Would Christ tantalize us by requiring of us an impossibility? Never, never. What an honor he confirmed, confers upon us in urging us to be holy in our sphere as the Father is holy in his sphere. He can enable us to do this for he declares all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. This, my friends, this unlimited power is our privilege to claim. What do you say? That I may know him, page 131. You know, we don't use, we always use it for the Great Commission. But if we know that all power is given to us, how much more effective would our evangelism be? If you really believe it. Observation, we need to claim Christ's unlimited power. Now, how easy is it to have perfection of character? How easy? But Christ has given us no assurance that to attain perfection of character is an easy matter. A noble, all-round character is not inherited. It is not come to us by accident. A noble character is earned by individual efforts through the marriage and grace of Christ. See, not our power, but we have to cooperate. But in this growth, it is the merits of Christ, the grace of Christ. So I hope that I will not be misunderstood. It's all Christ, Christ, Christ. God gives you the talents, the powers of the mind, and we form the character. It is formed by hard, stern battles with self. Conflict after conflict must be waged against hereditary tendencies. We shall have to criticize ourselves closely and to allow not one unfavorable trait to remain uncorrected. Christ Object Lesson 3, 3, 1. Continual striving towards perfection of character. Here's the beautiful flower. flower. The ideal of Christian character is Christ-likeness. There is open before us a path of continual advancement. 
you never graduate. Amen. See, this is the good news. We have an object to reach, a standard to gain, which includes everything good and pure and noble and elevated. Wow. There should be a continual striving and a constant progress onward and upward towards perfection of character. Counsels to teachers, parents, and students, 365. And so if we develop, see the development of a flower, in each phase, the flower is beautiful. In the bud, in the blades, in all of the things. And finally, you get the orchid. Life gets better with the years. You believe that truly? The secret of an improvement in latter years is the mind of Christ. The attraction between husband and wife in a Christian marriage is the beauty and grace of Christ. And I go back to the time when I uh, was enamored with my date, and finally I married her. Just pretty, cute, nicely dressed, no wrinkles. But now, you know, after 43, 44 years of a marriage, you know, if I look at myself in the mirror, you know, I see here, and you know, you, I can get rid of all those things here under my eyes. And I same with my wife. I can send them to a beautician. But why? We have learned in the 43, 44 years to appreciate each other in a dimension that the most beautiful movie star in Hollywood will not touch our feelings. Yeah. And so they become pure, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so, you know, and, and, and I can't understand people that run away and get a second youth experience. Can't understand it. Because we are so happy. Now, not that we, you know, I mean, she is a seminary graduate. I, uh, university. And, you know, if people have that education, they think by themselves, for themselves. And we have some interesting conversations from time to time. <laughs> yeah. But we appreciate this, you know. Presently, you know, she is remodeling a kitchen of the house that we bought. And every time, you know, she comes and says, Honey, what do you think about this? Oh, I said, you know, you know. No, 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 I want your input, you know. And so we go. You know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And friends, uh, the sunset years of our life will be perfect. Beautiful. Unless we don't grow together. And so daily, we need to enjoy the reading of God's word. Daily, one chapter, one section of the spirit of prophecy. And we discuss those things. And this is how we grow. And this is fantastic. And I hope, friends, that you have also this. And if your marriage is not ideal yet, friends, call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. And appreciate your spouses. Whatever they do, even if you don't see any sense in it. You know, sometimes, you know, you, I don't know what she comes up with. So what? Appreciate her. Honey, thank you so much. How did you discover this? Yeah. And then she feels good. And I feel good. 
Yes. How to obtain the mind of Christ. The need of the Holy Spirit. The mind of Christ is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Keep it in mind. Therefore, we need to pray a lot in regard to the Holy Spirit. And Christ spoke more about the Holy Spirit and our need than on any other subject, she says. What does the Holy Spirit do for the receiver? It gives him the mind of Christ. He will not excuse his faults, but in faith and much prayer will cut away the evil, whatever may be the character. When the Holy Spirit sees this determined effort, man is not left to struggle alone for the Master. Letter 107, 1898. So when Christ sees what we try to do in regard to the character of Christ, then we, he helps us. And he is happy because of what we are doing. We need then therefore also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how much we all need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> then we shall always work with the mind of Christ. With kindness compassion and sympathy, showing love for the sinner while hating sin with a perfect hatred. Manuscript 8, A, 1888. Then it is the oneness with God to become one with Christ. When a man becomes one with Christ, he has the mind of Christ. He is no longer antagonistic to God's law, but lives in all obedience to all the commandments. One with Christ in obedience to God's commands, he walks in the footstep of the Savior. Manuscript 40, 1900. Isn't it beautiful? Beautiful promise also. We don't fight with the law. We don't accuse people of being legalists. And then... But we listen, we meditate on that law, and through God's help, it can be incorporated in our lives. And it is obedience to what? All God's commandments. It's a joy. How I love to meditate upon your law. That is what David says. And we can do the same. Follow Christ's instructions to the letter. Just as soon as we receive the instruction that Christ has given and follow it to the letter, we shall be so filled with the spirit of grace of God that we shall be unable to sit in the congregation of his people without being impressed by the sense of the nearness of his presence. You get this? Our mind will be in harmony with the mind of Christ. Following through the letter. Someone say, you know, yeah, but we have to follow it in the spirit. No, the letter. And it is not legalistic. But if we do this, we will be so filled with his spirit that we can taste the nearness of Christ. Yeah. 
It's not the Christ are there in heaven. No, it's with us. And so here we have said, thoughts produce feelings. And feelings the moral character. Friends, this is so attractive. Having the mind of Christ, when we abide in Christ, self will be uprooted. It must die. And this is the greatest battle our life says that we have to do with self. And if we are willing to put self away. And in Christ number one, that is there. Abiding in Christ, we shall have the mind of Christ. And self will be uprooted. Self must die. Manuscript 33, 1892. Need to be truly converted. The heart needs to be truly converted. When the heart is truly converted, the mind will be like the mind of Christ. The powers of the mind and body will be held in subjection to Christ as a precious trust to be used in his service, not in our service. Manuscript 139-1907. So conversion means a change of character. And people will definitely see that. Individual conversion means a change of character. The human agent must place himself in a personal relation to Christ. That in the place of following his own hereditary and cultivated tendencies, he may have the mind of placing himself under the molding influence of the Holy Spirit. Manuscript 38, 1897. And so in the morning when we have our worship, we should also call upon the Lord to send us the Holy Spirit to mold us that day and then look for the opening providences of God. And you know that may be dangerous for some of us, we had planned to have a nice career in the ministry, nice comfortable sustentation here in Michigan, and then suddenly the Lord takes us away and sends us to Africa or Papua New Guinea in the boondocks. Yeah. And where is all the comfort? Gone. But you know, you have the peace. And when we went to Thailand and the Lord called us, you know, they said, and we had pastored in Patonga Conference, and the people said, oh, you know, there is a call here to go to Thailand. But, uh, you know, I mean, your qualifications are more needed here, you know, your scholarly things and whatever. And now, you know, you, you miss your whole career going to the mission field. Oh, what terrible. Come on. To us, it was one of the most exciting things. And we had to work for, because of our training also in theology and in health. We had a master's in public health, Loma Linda. We went to the Bangkok Adventist Hospital. And they used us there as health educator, chaplain. And on top of it, they make me the senior pastor of the hospital church. And my wife was the associate in each of the above positions. That was the time when we had no children. So you had lots of time there. And friends, it was fantastic. 
dealing in a saturated non-Christian culture where 99% was Buddhist or Sikh or Hindu. Oh, friends, it was one of the most beautiful experiences. And, you know, he said, you know, Lord, you put us here. Now, teach us how we can fill the church with non-Christians. And so we organized the health programs, got all the physicians involved, and every evangelistic meeting that we had, there was something, and people had to see the ophthalmologist, the podiatrist, the cardiologist, all of this. They were, every time, it was a different one. And they certainly appreciated it. And the church was full with non-Adventists. Non-Christians. So I know if somebody says, oh, that health doesn't work out. You know, they, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, I mean, it is it's so powerful. And we have used that health education that we received from Masters in Public Health. As, as my major was nutrition and my wife was health education. We both got this, the degrees. And we, when we went to the ministry, that's basically what we used. We never had an evangelist coming in, you know, and do the work for us. We did it ourselves. We created a total health seminar. And it was not simply, uh, you know, just a nugget of health and then the rest all spiritual things. No, I said, you know, we have to be fair. And we divided the lecture in two sections. Half of it was on health, half of it was on spirituality. Now, how do you do this? You know, with the mark of the beast and all kind of things. You know, we had to pray. Call upon the Lord. But I tell you, most of the baptisms, and we had many baptisms, were the result of working like Jesus did. Remember, he did more work. You know, in healing than in, in, in preaching. And friends, you may say, yeah, you know, we have missed a boat. We cannot go, we are too old to go to Loma Linda, whatever. Don't worry about it. Use where you are. And then, look at the mission conference. They have a final, fine health department. Get those people involved. Have also your people be trained Not simply you call the health department and they do all the evangelism for you. No. They are an aid to what you can do. And friends, it is incredible. And if I had to do my life over again, I would do it the same. Friends, this is not dreaming. You know, this is reality. Because we experience this. And so, friends, this is the result of the mind of Christ. Now, what are some of the evidences of having the mind of Christ? Don't feed on the faults and mistakes of others. When you have the mind of Christ, you will not feed upon the garbage of their faults and mistakes. But you will seek to help them. God would awaken in you a desire to think of others without despising their ways and manners. Letter 98, 1896. <laughs> the last one, when I moved to Tennessee in my retirement, there was one fellow who was uh, working, as you know, my, my mother-in-law has a 60-acre 
property, and there is a fellow who, who maintains that, mowing and doing all kinds of things, gardening. And he has been working there for many years, over 10 years. He says, you know, what about this? Is he an Adventist? No. He said, why not? So, okay. My wife had already given him some pamphlets, and he seemed to be open to this. He's a fellow of about in his 40s, very stout and strong. And so I, uh, I talked to him. I said, Steve, you know, what are you? He said, I'm a Baptist. I said, do you know, what, you know, do you know about Adventism? No, 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 no. I said, would you like? You know, I, I, you know. So in other words, you work for us, and then the last hour of the day, you know, you don't work. You come with me. What do you think? Oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah. Now, this fellow has a difficulty even reading, you know, and he stumbles over words and all kinds of things. So we went to a whole course, Doug Batchelor, and he, Doug Batchelor, he has DVDs, and he says, I said, oh, he says, sometimes I don't understand it, but when I get the DVDs, I clearly see what it is. And we went week after week, month after month after month. And every time I said, yeah, Steve, do you understand this? Would you like to accept this? Yes, yes, yes. And so finally after a year, he got baptized. Yeah. Praise the Lord, you see. Now we are working on his family. Because his family is also Baptist and doesn't want to have anything to do. And once saved, always saved kind of thing. And now I give him pamphlets and stuff, and he shares it. They don't want to have anything to do with this, but we pray that the Lord will help and continue, you see. So all the time you look for opportunities. Now here, talk about, you know, I mean, I could despise this fellow who, who just finished elementary school. Nothing more. And so I had to go over it, over it again and again, but... It's one of the trophies of the kingdom. Don't feed on the fault and mistakes of others. You will not censor or find fault with God's chosen leadership. So don't despise the leadership of this division, even if you may not like it. All who feel at liberty to censor and find fault with those whom God has chosen to act in an important part of this last great work, had to better be converted and obtain the mind of Christ. Let him remember those of the children of Israel who were ready to find fault with Moses, whom God had ordained to lead his people to Canaan and to murmur against even God himself. They should remember that all these murmurers fell in the wilderness. Manuscript 6, 1866. Influence of teachers having the mind of Christ. Don't give up. Change student performances of proper manners. Education, true education, means much more. Those students who are at first somewhat coarse and awkward will soon overcome this. If teachers are courteous, kind, and attentive, 
if they are true in heart and soul to do their work as in the sight of the whole universe of heaven, if they have the mind of Christ and are molded and fashioned by the Holy Spirit, they will behave not in simpering affectations, but as ladies and gentlemen, if they have the teacher's example of propriety, the students will day by day be educated by their proper manners. Manuscript 41b, 1896. You know, some of those counsels are precious, very precious. Be clothed with the garments of Christ's righteousness. The redemption of man draws them away from political strife to rest and peace and quietude in God. All who contemplate this will indeed have the mind of Christ. They will be clothed with the garments of Christ's righteousness. Letter 11, 1897. They will be drawn from the political strife. And sometimes I had a I wish that we were not as political as some of us are, in, especially in educational institutions. They will live the law of God. All who have the mind of Christ will live the law of God. They will feed upon Christ and become partakers of the divine nature. They will stand as God's living sentinels for the truth. Manuscript 4, 1898. You are the brother's keeper. If you have the mind of Christ, you are your brother's keeper. Letter 4, 1898. We will reveal Christ. It's only if we have the mind of Christ that we can reveal Christ. Manuscripts 5, 1896. Think about this, you know. Here we are there for soul winners. And how can we do that if we don't have the mind of Christ, friends? Our soul-winning efforts are frequently vain. But if we portray the mind of Christ, if Christ through the Holy Spirit works in us, we demonstrate something to the world that they don't see in their own church. They don't see it anywhere but in your church. Isn't it pretty beautiful? You will teach as he taught. Study the lessons that Christ gave to his disciples and let their simplicity charm you. Seek to have the mind of Christ and you will teach as he taught. Fourth volume of the biography, page 71. Husbands, to be fit as the Lord of their household. Let those who stand as husbands study the words of Christ. Not to find out how complete must be the subjection of the wife. But how he may have the mind of Christ and become purified, refined and fit to be the Lord of his household. All wicked passions must be overcome. And the love which Christ has exercised towards his church must be symbolized in the family circle. Manuscript 17, 18, 91. And there are some other statements in which he is even more graphic how, how husbands 
are using their wives in the bedroom with passions after passions after passions. He says, you know, you are ruining your wife. She will get all kinds of diseases because of your unrestrained passions. Think about it. See? So, moderation in marriage is very important. We will be blessing in the home, church and the world. If you only have the mind of Christ, we will be a blessing in the home life, in the churches, in the world. We shall speak peaceably and kindly. Letter 133, 1895. There will be no variance, but only unity and love. I think this is extremely important today in our church, in the face of the upcoming meetings of the Young Conference. To fulfill Christian obligations is to act like Christ. Follow the example of Christ, to have the mind of Christ. Then there will be no variance, but only unity and love. Manuscript 60, 1894. Isn't it a beautiful idea? And that is it. And no matter what side of the battle you are, this needs to be held up. There will be a unity of spirit. Kind, tender, compassionate words will flow from a sanctified hearts and lips. We must make it appear essential to be united. Not that we are to require others to come to our ideas, our positions. But if all are seeking the meekness and lowliness of Christ, they will have the mind of Christ. Then there will be unity of spirit. Letter 15, 1892. Keeping God's commandments will be a delight. The keeping of all the commandments of God, if we have the mind of Christ, will be the delight of the soul. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Manuscript 48, 19, 1890. We will freely forgive as we are forgiven. We must have the mind of Christ and forgive just as freely as we are forgiven. Letter 15, 1888. You can see here what a tremendous thing is. If we have the mind of Christ, if all those things are revealed in our life, it will be an ideal church, an ideal family. A showpiece. Because Christ now has the full freedom to work and operate in your life. You will have the fragrance of heaven. Isn't it fantastic? If you can see that in your own wife, the fragrance, or in your own husband. Let's not, wife, let's not forget the husband. Oh, may the mind of Christ be in you that your works may have the fragrance of heaven. Letter 18A, 1891. And so now what about the preparation with the mind of Christ and the impending conflict? This is the last phase. 
in which we need to see the demonstration of the righteousness of Christ. Now, while our great high priest is making the atonement for us, we should seek to become perfect in Christ. Not even by a thought could our Savior be brought to yield to the power of temptation. This is the condition in which those must be found who shall stand in the time of trouble. Great Controversy 6.23. You think that it is a possibility? Yes, friends. This is real. <coughs> in this, in this life that we are to separate sin from us. Through the faith in the atoning blood of Christ. Our precious Savior invites us to join ourselves to him, to unite our weaknesses to his strength, our ignorance to his wisdom, and our unworthiness to his merits. Isn't this fantastic? Weak strength, ignorance, wisdom, unworthiness to his merit. God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meeknesses and loneliness of Jesus. The Lord is ever setting before us, not the way we would choose, which seems easier and pleasant to us, but the true aims of life. Great Controversy 6.23. You know, that is one of the most difficult things. We have a program, and we ask the Lord to bless us, and is this really God's will, because he has given you talents, special talents that nobody else has. And he knows where you are to have the A project and not settle for the B or the C or the D. But you don't know. You know, I mean, when I married my wife, you know, she was nice and cute and, you know, but I never realized the fantastic talents that the Lord has given. That makes my ministry what it is now. I would have never succeeded in those things without her. You know, you're amazed. And then when we were in the Far East, you know, in the division there, we used multimedia and whatever. And project, multi projectors and whatever. I didn't know how to do it. I couldn't even, you know, I, I, I say, I could not even type. She had to do all that work. She went to the multimedia, you know. I said, I, I'll do it. She said, no, 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 you know, you go ministry after souls. I'll go and take courses, this and this and that. And I mean, she was producing a CD-ROM, DVD, a multimedia thing of our work. See? So we never knew it from the beginning. And so it is with you. You never know what hidden talents you have and what the Lord wants to use. He can take you, he can send you to certain schools, and you can develop those things according to what the Lord wants you to do. And so, friends, this is tremendous. Only those who have been diligent studies or students of scriptures and who have received the love of the truth 
will be shielded from the power delusion that takes the world captive. You know, presently, Satan is taking the world captive, and the whole world follows the beast. But only the scriptures will protect you. By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. To all the testing time will come. By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. Are the people of God now so firmly established upon his word that they would not yield to the evidence of their senses, especially when Satan demonstrates himself as Jesus? Will you be standing? Would they in such a crisis cling to the Bible and the Bible only? Great controversy 625. And even we have a difficulty with that in our controversy today. Is the Bible is at stake? And do we follow the Bible and the Bible only? We don't. They may think about it. Ellen Wright says that the Bible is the answer to every controversy that we have in our churches. Where are we to say when the controversy comes? Here is the Bible. Explain your position. You see? Because that demands for the ministers a tremendous study too. Instead of just calling upon the conference, hey, here we have this problem with Arianism. But, uh, you know, send you, one of you professors, or call the seminary in Andrews University and let us do the work. No. If you want to grow, wrestle with the word. And call upon the best teacher in the world, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives you this. Because only then we learn to grow instead of depending upon others. And so this is one of the problems, friends. And you know the answer. Preparation. Now, I have been approached by some with questions of uh, when the Lord reveals us in our church, specifically righteousness and justification and whatever, and what do I do with this? What about the messages of righteousness by faith? Of 1888. You know, some of those things are beautiful and whatever. In fact, let me tell you a secret. That, um, you know, when I was called to the seminary, after working on this book on the 27 Fundamental Beliefs, they gave me the class Development of SDA Theology. And uh, some of the Ellen White stuff. And so I said, you know, I don't know anything about it. Oh, just find out. So in 1888, or 1988, I went to the seminary, and I decided to buy four volumes, you know, about the 1888 testimonies or whatever, because I wanted to know what it was about. And I read, and I read, and I read, and I read, and I read. And the more I read, it was amazing, amazing. You know, so powerful the impact was on my life. Because in those four volumes, you find every reference that Ellen White made to Minneapolis collected, even if it is only one sentence. And I was so blessed that he went to my library and said, you know, this is fantastic. You should read it. He says, okay, where are the books? And I gave her my four volumes and she looked. She says, no, I don't want it. I said, why not? You have underlined those things. I want to do my own underlining and not yours. So we bought another set of four volumes. 
And she went through it, you know. I mean, that is, that is the type of vibe I have, you know. <laughs> Beautiful. And so it was marvelous, you see. So as a result, this, this regime of faith came clearly into our mind. As, but as you have seen in the lectures here, I don't need to refer to Minneapolis every time. Here it is here. The Lord in his great mercy sent the most precious message to his people to Elder Wagner and Jones. This message was to bring more prominently before the world the unite, the uplifted Savior, the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. It presented justifications to faith in the surety. It invited people to what? To receive the righteousness of Christ which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. And I think this was one of the, the points, the problem points is that, yes, we can talk about justification and sanctification, but what is the practical impact on our lives? Doesn't lead us to full obedience through the grace of Christ. And that is one of the things that have made many people uncomfortable. Then she goes on here. Many has lost sight of Jesus. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine per person, his merits, his changeless love for the human family. All power is given into his hand that he may dispense rich gifts unto man, imparting the priceless gift of his own righteousness. To what? The helpless human agent. Now here is a key element that I get it from my study there, that I'm not in control, but Christ is in control. I'm helpless to perform anything in regard to righteousness by faith. Justification by faith and sanctification. It's only through Christ. And so when I explain my helplessness and cry out to the Lord, He doesn't disappoint. He comes and gives me the power, the strength. You see the point? That's it. This is the message of, that God commanded to be given to the world. It is the third angel's message, which is to be proclaimed with loud voice and attending, tended with outpouring of the Spirit in large measure. Testimonies to ministers, page 91. And specifically tomorrow morning, I will deal with that connection through the faith of Jesus, which is extremely important. It's one thing, but you have the commandments of God. But how will you be able to incorporate it in your life? And that is where many fail. Now, I can preach about Jones and Wagner every day. But no, I focus on the Bible. I focus on the spirit of prophecy and whatever. And the whole teaching of the Bible on righteousness by faith, sanctification. I mean, Luther wrestled with this and he gained the victory. Without the spirit of prophecy. And so, friends, the Bible is the key to this. And so, be careful that we, whatever we should do, lift up the scriptures, lift up the spirit of prophecy, and you will have success. What is the only way to obtain perfection of character, friends? He, God, teaches them that the perfection of character he requires can be obtained only by becoming familiar with what? His word. His word.
So no matter what you do, no matter what books you read, however beautiful they are, become acquainted with the word. Counsels to teachers, parents, and students, page 454. And then, cry unitedly for the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Could there be a convocation of all the churches of earth? The object of that united Christ should be for the Holy Spirit. Think about it. When we have that, Christ, our sufficiency is ever-present. We shall have everyone supplied. We shall have the mind of Christ. Manuscript 8, 1892. You know, this is, this is beautiful. See? Now you said, okay, but we have never done it. And we have never a convocation of all the churches on earth. You may have a convocation of all the churches here in Michigan. And cry out. Remember. The object of our cry is should call the Holy Spirit. And if all our churches are united and filled with the Holy Spirit, you have an evangelistic explosion in Michigan that you will have never seen. This is an extremely valuable statement, friends. And so even if you don't, if a Michigan conference doesn't do it, you can get it in your own church. Cry out, cry out, cry out. You believe that? And would you be willing to implement this counsel? Think about it. Can I see hands who would like to implement this? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May the Lord pour his spirit upon you so that you will have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we are so thrilled that you have provided us with the truth as it is in Jesus. That we focus on Christ and his righteousness. That we focus on Jesus and give us the mind of Christ. It will change everything and we long to be changed, Father. We long to be ready when you outpour the Holy Spirit in the latter rain. We want to be part of this great worldwide revival that will result in the coming of Jesus. Oh, Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to be strong. Bless this conference in a very special way. Bless each minister here, each minister's wife. And may we rejoice in the tremendous calling that you have given us to be co-workers with you. Oh, Father, we realize how weak we are. But we look over this weakness to Jesus, to whom was given all power. And so give us that power, friend. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.